Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. This morning I'd like to ask some questions. And I ask those questions of you. And again, I ask those questions of me. There's a lot of clamor out in the world today. A lot of voices, a lot of questions being raised. And we need to ensure that we have solid, firm answers to some of these questions that are being raised in this hour. So today, the first question that I'd like to ask you is this. If you had the choice, would you choose to be a slave or would you choose to be free? Most of us would give a resounding, give me freedom. But in reality, in order to become free, one must become a slave. A slave is defined as a person who is forced to work for or obey another person and is considered to be their property. It actually boils down to the fact that you are controlled by someone else. And with the history of our nation in the United States of America, when we hear the word slave, when we hear the word slavery, it raises a cry within us of injustice, inequity, inequality. And that is true in the physical realm. But today I'm not talking about the physical realm. I'm moving into a spiritual realm. And if you turn to the book of Romans chapter 6, we'll be reading from verses 16 through 23. Is that me? Am I making that extra noise somehow? Or don't you hear it? You do hear it? Is it my hair? Did it go away? Uh. Thank you, Bill. Okay. All right. It's not my hair. It's feedback. Okay, well, let, let me continue here while they work on that. It, this is, um, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 6. We'll be looking at verse 16 through 23. And Paul is the author of this book. He's writing to the church at Rome to tell them of his impending visit and to share with them once again the very basic, foundational, conservative truth of the gospel message of salvation. What is God's plan of redemption for all of mankind? <clears throat> so if you start with me in verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and entrusted. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness that was leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But... 
now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness in the end is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if I may, I would like to basically set this scripture up into two camps, two opposing camps, two opposing kingdoms, and all of mankind will find themselves in one of these kingdoms. There's no other options, there's no other alternatives, and I'm going to basically bring here the camp of darkness and here the camp of light. And this is a very basic, foundational, biblical truth, but it's important because in this era, in the culture in which we live, we need to know what our roots are, and we need to hold fast to truth in this hour. So people over here in the camp of darkness, they're outside of Christ. These people obviously over here in the camp of light, they are in Christ through salvation in him. Over here, Satan himself governs and rules this kingdom and the subjects, the individuals, the peoples who are in this kingdom. Over here, in this kingdom, this is ruled by Jesus Christ. He is the master of this kingdom, and the subjects in this kingdom are subject to him. The subjects in this kingdom are slaves to sin. The subjects in this kingdom over here, the kingdom of light, are slaves to righteousness. These people in the camp of darkness are held in bondage by deception, and by the demonic strongholds of darkness. These individuals over here are held in captivity by love and by the power of the Holy Spirit sealing them unto the day of their full consummation in Christ. Individuals over here within this camp of darkness, they live life to fulfill the desires of the flesh and to experience the pleasures of this world. Individuals over here live to fulfill the desires of Jesus Christ and to experience the blessings and the fullness of all that is theirs in the heavenlies in the spiritual realm. These individuals over here are wholly devoted to themselves. It's all about me, myself, and I. Everything revolves around me. Over here, they're wholly devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything involves around others. How they can bring the ministry of Jesus Christ to the world around them as opposed to themselves. These people over here in this camp of darkness, they're on a journey. And they've been set on a very wide and broad path. A path of darkness. A path that leads to destruction and ultimately eternal death. And sadly, there are many who have chosen this path. And there are many that are on this path today. Over here, these people are also set on a path. It's a very straight and a very narrow path. And the Bible tells us that there are few who find it and continue on it. But it's a path that leads to a life full of joy, 
a life full of peace, a life full of provision, a life full of the resources of the abundant life that are ours in Christ. It begins in salvation. It begins with eternal life, with the quality and quantity of life, and it ends with a full consummation of that. And Matthew 7, 13 through 14 decrees this. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult. Difficult meaning it's confined, it's restricted, there's only one way. And difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it, and that one way is Jesus Christ. And that is how one gets out of the camp of darkness into the camp of light. It is through faith, not by works, not by striving to obey the law. It is by faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross of Calvary for us. His body was broken and his blood was shed. He became the sacrifice for all of mankind that we would become righteous. He is righteous and he has the right to impute or label or attach or give us his righteousness. And he chose to do that through the cross. And if we put our faith in him, we are righteous and we have right standing with the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21 decrees for he, God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 decrees, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, here is where things become critical. When one is translated out of the darkness and into the marvelous light, and they are now within the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, it becomes very critical, this border, this great divide that separates um, these two kingdoms. There's a border here to the kingdom per se, and there's a path that leads on. But it's very important that when people come into the, the kingdom of God, there's two things that are critical that we need to understand. The first is this. We need to understand what we are free from from, and we need to understand what we are free in or into, okay? Our free froms are instantaneous. At the point of our salvation, we are free from. But our free in and what we are freed into is an ongoing, continuous, steady journey and process. Are you with me? Now, some of the things that you are free from are very obvious, and we're not going to go into all of those, but basically, you are free from being a slave to sin. That old man, that old self, that sinful nature is gone. And at that point of salvation, you become a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 decrees, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And obviously, we are free from eternal death 
and separation from Christ. These are just a few to name the free froms. But what's critical in the hour in which we live is we need to understand what we are free in. What are we freed into? And again, this is an onward, ongoing journey. It kind of reminds me of the Israelites in the Old Testament when they were held in bondage, captivity, and slavery for about 400 years in Egypt. And God sent Moses to be the deliverer and bring them out of bondage across the Red Sea into a new area. But what happened if they would have stayed camping at the border? border campers, we're going to call them today, if they would have been um, um, situated and stayed right there at this border and became border campers and not been willing to become journey campers, they would have never been able to journey in to the promise and the inheritance and the fullness of what theirs was going and promised to be. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So now we're going to basically divide between these border campers who are free from and these journey and campers who are moving into what they are free in. Okay? Everybody that we're talking about now is in the kingdom of light. They are in the camp of light. They are saved. Okay? But they can be just saved and free from, or they can be willing to be saved and free from and move in. Okay? So, <clears throat> what are, we're going to set up these two camps again now. The border campers and the journey in campers. Over here, the border campers, Jesus Christ is their Savior. Over here, Jesus Christ is their Lord. Okay, over here, these individuals have been set free from the penalty of sin, the guilt, the condemnation, the shame of sin. Over here, these individuals are being set free from the power of sin. They are yielding to the Holy Spirit. They are letting the word of the Lord transform and change them by the power of the Holy Spirit that sin has no hold on them. These over here are converts to Christ. These over here are disciples. They're followers of Christ. Are you with me? Okay. These individuals here love to gain head knowledge. And if we're not careful, the Bible tells us that head knowledge puffs us up. Whereas these individuals over here are gaining heart knowledge. They're reading the word, they're letting the Holy Spirit transform and change the way in which they think. Transform and change the way in which the culture of their mind and their mindset is. And once you have the mindset of, the, of your culture, the mindset up here changed, then your words begin to change and your actions begin to change and they begin to line up with the word of God. These border campers have escaped the kingdom of darkness. These individuals over here are destroying the kingdom of darkness by advancing the kingdom of light. These individuals over here are passive. They're leisure campers. They're content with what they have. They have been safe from hell. There's no more that they desire to gain and they're comfortable right where they're at. They're content. 
These individuals over here are active. They're warring individuals who are contending for all that is theirs in the full maturity of Christ and seeing his kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Now these next two points are critical and we'll be developing and looking at them a little later. But these individuals over here are bringing people from earth to heaven. They are fulfilling the great commission that um, is spoken about in um, <clears throat> uh, Mark. And if we turn to Mark, okay. Mark 16, verses 15 through 16. They are fulfilling this portion of the Great Commission. And this is what it says. And Jesus said to them, this is post-resurrection now before he ascends into heaven. And he's telling them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. For he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. These remind me of evangelists that are sharing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we need to do, and it's bringing people from earth to heaven. They're receiving salvation in Christ. Good, correct? We're good. Over here, these individuals are bringing heaven to earth. They're fulfilling the commission that is given us in Matthew. And if you turn to Matthew 28, the other part of the Great Commission is to um, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Do you remember in Matthew 16 where he told his disciples, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of God and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Keys are things that open and close. Keys are representative of authority. And Jesus said, hey, all authority is now mine and I'm giving it to you. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, instructing them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, the fullness of his word, all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These people are bringing heaven to earth. They are infiltrating culture. They are infiltrating every aspect of their lives, and they are carrying the presence and the kingdom of God with them, changing mindsets, changing cultures and we're going to hold that and we're going to talk about that a little bit later and now back to the comparisons these individuals over here are slaves to righteousness these individuals over here have become bond slaves of Jesus Christ and we're going to develop that a little bit later but we have to be very careful because if we choose to be border campers and desire not to become journeying campers we have what Paul warned us about in 2nd Timothy we have a form of godliness but denies the power thereof are you with me so what hinders people from moving on there are lots of things that prevent people from moving on and staying content right at the border. One of those factors is fear. 
Fear of the unknown. Fear of what lies ahead. How about fear of, excuse me, of failure? If I set out on this course and fail, how about the fear of rejection? I'm afraid to go that far because I've heard some of those crazy stories about people who are filled with the, with the spirit of the living God and I'm frightened because people have exaggerated those stories and I'm frightened and I don't want to move on. What will my friends and other people think of me? How about unbelief? This is as good as it gets. There's no, nothing really more to this. Um, no more to be had. How about false teaching and doctrines? Some people have actually sat under erroneous teachers who have taught them that the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, were only functional for a very short time in the New Testament for the establishment of the church and not functionable today. How about just apathy, complacency, contentment, weariness and fatigue. Some people have actually set out on this journey and they didn't realize that they were going to face challenges. They were going to face trials. They were going to face persecution. And when they faced those things they said, no way. This isn't for me. And they retreat back to the border. But the thing that I really want to talk to you is about voices. A factor that keeps people moving on from the border are voices. There's a lot of voices out there in the world right now, and there's voices calling from the dark. Voices that want to confuse, voices that want to derail, forces that, voices that just want to bewilder um, the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, these voices would say to the border people, stay put, hold the line, don't advance. We'd like you just the way you are. These voices want the church to interpret the Bible through the lens of the culture rather than critiquing, evaluating, analyzing, looking at the culture through the lens of the Bible. And if we yield to these voices, we're going to find ourselves trying to hold the word of the Lord, the Bible, in one hand while our foot is being pulled into the camp of darkness. It's a very unsteady place to be. You're going to lose your balance. You're going to lose your footing. You no longer are standing on the firm foundation. It's going to cause you to stumble. It's going to cause you to fall and it's going to cause you to sin. And the voice that I'm talking about today is the voice of progressive Christianity. A voice which wants us to imitate the culture. We are not called in this hour to imitate the culture. We are called to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. Progressive is not a bad word in and of itself. It's actually defined as something happening are developing gradually in stages, proceeding step by step. And you know what? We are supposed to have a progressive Christianity. We are supposed to be moving step by step, gradually into the full maturity of Jesus Christ, taking on his likeness, taking on his fullness. But sadly, there's another definition of progressive. And that definition is this, favoring or implementing social reform or new liberal ideas. And this voice raises a question 
in which we need a solid, firm answer. Does Christianity need to be reformed in this hour? Does it need to be updated? Does it need to be liberated? Does it need to be changed? Or do we need to hold fast to the traditional, conservative, foundational, biblical truth of God's word? For truth is truth, whether people choose to believe it or not. Truth is not impacted by popularity. Truth is not impacted by what is politically correct. Truth is truth. Truth is Jesus Christ. Truth is the word of God. Truth never changes. Culture changes. Progressive Christianity wants us to begin to question the authority, the accuracy, and the authenticity of God's word. And if we let go of the accurate, inspired, authoritative word of God, we are moving into a sea of compromise. We are moving and being set in a different direction. We are heading back toward a wide and a broad path, a path of darkness, a path of destruction that'll take us into a whirling sea of relativity. And in the New Testament, Paul warns over and over again to the churches that there will be people that will infiltrate the ranks. There will be people who come and try to pervert and twist and distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to read all of those warnings, just a few, because they still apply today. And the first one is found in Galatians um, chapter 1, verse 6. And Paul says to the church, to us, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. You're turning away to a different gospel, which is not another, because there is no other. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or any angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so I say it again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And if we look at 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, again a warning to the church to be careful of false doctrine, to be careful of individuals who will come in and pervert the truth. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance in his kingdom. Preach the word, preach the truth, preach the biblical foundations and be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they'll be turned aside to fables. But you need to be watchful in all these things, and adore the afflictions that are coming, and do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And last but not least, a warning from Jude. In Jude, verses 3 and 4, Beloved, 
while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I find it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly, to war earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, the ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord, only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we need to ask ourselves this question. Do we believe a different Jesus? Or do we believe the Jesus of the Bible? Are we willing to stand for biblical truth? Or what the world tells us truth should be? Progressive Christianity pulls us into a slow drift from truth. It is slow. It is subtle. Sometimes even indiscernible. But it is deliberate and it is intentional and we have to believe that if Jesus is worth following then the truth is worth preserving it is worth protecting and in this hour we can't afford to dabble in two camps we can't be pulled back into the kingdom of darkness and we can't afford to stay camping at the border because there's another voice beckoning there's another voice calling there's another voice wooing us in this hour and it's the voice of truth and it's calling us onward and upward to our full calling, our full maturity, our full inheritance in Christ and in the kingdom of God. And so many people have drawn the line, the border, the divide. Okay, we've drawn the line, and now we're in the kingdom of light. But we're not only required to draw the line, we're required to walk the line. We're required to walk the straight and the narrow path that leads to eternal life. We're required to walk just as Jesus walked. And we can walk as Jesus walked without compromising the word of God. We can walk with, like Jesus walked without watering down the gospel to accommodate a person's desires or the desires of a, of, of a group of people who want to maintain a certain lifestyle. Correct? We can love people and still hate the sin that holds them in bondage. And Pastor Steve, here's another plug for his Bible study. He is doing a series on the book of Ephesians. And I love the book of Ephesians because to me it's a book of spiritual warfare. It's a book that tells you your position in Christ. And then it very practically tells you how to live out your life in Christ and to walk like Jesus walked. It basically tells us we have two positions. We have where we stand... And we already learned today that we have right standing with the Father because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. All of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm are ours. And we can call those blessings down to earth. We have been given a role and a responsibility of king and priest. And so often we just give that title. But it's more than just a title, it's a role and a responsibility. The priesthood, our worshipers, they, they're, they're intercessors, they're prayers, they stand in the gap and they pray. 
They worship and they praise and they win battles through praise and worship. And the king, the kingship role part of that is to know our authority and make prophetic decrees in accordance with the word of God and see his kingdom established on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? And then the rest of it, it tells you how to walk. And we walk just like Jesus walked, but we keep walking. The book of um, um, Ephesians tells us to walk um, in unity, in unity with one another as the church of Jesus Christ, and to walk um, in unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It tells us we're to walk in purity and holiness. We're to walk in forgiveness. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in um, light, in wisdom. We're to walk in submission to godly authority that is placed over us. We're to walk in obedience to the word of the Lord. And last but not least, it tells us that we are to walk fully clothed in the armor of Jesus Christ. And if we walk this way, if we walk the way he has told us to walk, we are advancing the kingdom of darkness. I mean the kingdom of light. And we are destroying the kingdom of darkness. Okay? And so often we cry out, and we even did that this morning in a song. We were saying, show me your glory, show me your glory. There are many facets and dimensions to God's glory. His, his, his power, his presence, his majesty, his beauty, his weightiness, his glory. And one facet or dimension of his glory is the church of Jesus Christ. His glory is evident in us as we manifest him to the world around us. God's plan was Jesus. Jesus was God's representative to us. Jesus' plan is the church. We are the representative of Jesus to the world around us. And in Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, it tells us that as the world grows darker, the glory of the Lord in us grows brighter. And I would say right now that the world seems to be getting pretty dark. But the glory of the Lord can be manifest in the church of Jesus Christ. And an example of this would be this flashlight. And I have it turned on. And it's at its full potential. It's at its full power. It's doing the plans and the purposes that it was called to do. But in the light, it's not as obvious, correct? But if I would turn the lights off in here and I would make it pitch black, what would you be drawn to? The light. You would see it in all of its glory, all of its beauty, the manifestation of the fullness of what it is intended to be, its purpose. The same for the church. And Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 decrees this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory um, will be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. But this will only happen as the church is awakened, as the church arises, as she begins to mobilize, and she moves out on this journey. 
this straight and this narrow path that she's been called to walk as she walks the line. And here is where we move from being slaves of righteousness to bond servants of Jesus Christ, bond slaves of Jesus Christ. This is where we give him a full surrender as we press into him. This is where we give him all of us. And so often we hear people say, Oh Lord, less of me and more of you. That is a falsehood. He wants all of me, more of me, and more of him. More, he wants all of me, and I want all of him, till we form a oneness and a unity and intimacy in him. That is moving into the bondservant of the Lord. And um, AWL, all, is an instrument or tool that has a sharp point that is used to pierce holes, usually in leather. And back in the Old Testament, under the Mosaic Law, they would require an indentured servant to work for a period of time without wages. And once he fulfilled his obligation to his master, for that period of time, he could go free. But if he said within himself, I love this master whom I serve. I love my children. I love my wife. I love the family that I am living in. And I don't want to go free. I want to give my life to this master through all eternity, all the days of my life upon this earth. And if he made that declaration and decree, they would take him before the judges and they would take his ear and they would hold it to the doorpost of the door or to the door and they would pierce his ear with that all, that A-W-L. And that would be a permanent reminder and for everybody to see that he was a bond slave and he chose to be to his master forever. Jesus Christ is looking for bond slaves in this hour. People who are wholly devoted, giving their all in a full surrender unto him. And ironically, this is the place where we experience full liberty and freedom. This is the place where we get a revelation of our full identity. This is the place where we become all that we were created to be. His anointings, his gifting, his power, his presence, the fullness of him operating in me and manifesting himself to the world around me. We can't afford to camp near the border in this hour. There's too much at stake. Not only our own spiritual maturity and our own spiritual inheritance, but the soul of this nation. For as the church goes, so goes the nation. And there are too many people stranded at the border right now. The, this nation is stranded at the border. And we need to bring this nation onward and forward into all that Christ has for it. This nation was established in spiritual truth. This nation was established on foundations that are principles that are built within the word of the Lord. Deep within this nation is that root of righteousness. 
and we need to pray and prophetically decree and make um, our declarations as kings and priests in the kingdom of God and pull back that root to the surface that others may see and behold the glory of the Lord. And if I may, I'm going to go back to the commission that we talked about in Mark of salvation and the commission that we talked about in, in Matthew of discipling nations. And I want to read to you a quick blurb from um, Dutch Sheets. He posted it this year on um, his Give Him 15 um, posts. And it's just a short section, but listen of the validity of the profound truth that is in this. Sadly, during the Jesus movement or the charismatic movement of the 70s, Christians did Mark 16 only. <clears throat> Though millions of people were saved, the humanists, the secularists, and the atheists were busy doing their version of Matthew 28. They were discipling a nation. We saved individuals. They discipled a nation. We preached the gospel but unbelievers talk dogmas and doctrines. We went to church. They went into our schools and universities. We gathered on weekends. They gathered all week. We enjoyed Christian TV. They made the movies, the programs, and eventually took over that industry. We sang and worshipped at church. They took over the airwaves and discipled a generation with their music. The result? We experienced one of the greatest revivals in history and lost our nation. But God is on the move and we are taking our nation back. And as long as we continue to advance and contend for our own spiritual inheritance and the inheritance of this nation, we will take this nation and nations for the kingdom of God. Why do we have to contend not because God's reluctant to give it to us, but we have an enemy who opposes us. A spiritual enemy who does not want the advancement of God's kingdom on this earth. But if we journey on in our journey in campers, we will expel darkness with light. We will expel deception with truth. Always growing, forever moving upward and onward. And um, it's kind of like this um, Plato. <clears throat> and this is going to be very hard to see. But this is a little gingerbread man, and he has details on him, his face and everything else, okay? Now, as we press in and journey on into the things of God, this is a new creation. This is someone who has been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. He is a new creation, but he has some growing to do. He has to press in. If he doesn't press in to the Lord, if he doesn't maintain those places of intimacy, if he doesn't continue to grow and mature, he will never look like the Lord Jesus Christ. He will never act like him, talk like him, walk like him. We need to be pressing onward and upward in this hour. And as we press in, we, we begin to see that something is taking shape. But the harder I press this, and I press in with all of my tenacity, all of my strength, I soon reflect his image. We need to be pressing in in this hour. And Philippians 3, 12 through 15 decrees this. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I do press on. 
that I may lay hold of all that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I'm forgetting all those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forward to those things that lie ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And I close with this scripture from John 8, verses 31 and 32 and verse 36. It says, And then those Jews who believed on him, he said to them, If, if, if you abide in my word, if you hold fast to my truth, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So I ask and I close with this final question. In this hour, if you had a choice, would you prefer to be a slave, or would you prefer to be free? And I would say with a resounding cry that we would all say, I choose to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ and let freedom ring. Thank you. And if there's anyone who feels that they need translated from darkness into light and they have never really received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're here to pray and to minister to you that gift of grace. And if there's anyone here who feels like they've been stuck at the border and they have not journeyed on for whatever reason that may be, there's no condemnation, we're here to pray for you and exhort you and encourage you and disciple you to move on in that journey with the Lord. So if anybody needs prayer, feel free. We'll be here to minister unto you. Okay? Thank you.